You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. The most magical place on earth. When you peel back the layers of opinions on overpriced foods and bustling crowds, there's something magical about that place. Disney World. Every nook, cranny, and crevice is intricately designed and thought out. I remember the first time my family got to go there and we were walking down Main Street, USA, and you see that view of Cinderella Castle. And the castle is situated in what designers call the hub, this central location out of which you experience the rest of the park. And there's something so dazzling and mesmerizing about it. We went at Christmas time, and so to see that castle overlaid with Christmas lights, it was breathtaking. It almost made you want to just sit and stare and be there all day. You see, Disney World wasn't made for us to sit in the hub. In fact, it would have been pretty foolish for my family after how much we had spent on, on tickets and on a hotel and how far we had traveled from Ohio to Florida to just sit and stare at a castle all day. Because around the hub of this castle, there's this call and these gentle sounds and sights and smells of these other spaces to be drawn into to experience what is happening there. In church today, I want to challenge us with this idea as we continue in our What is the Gospel series. As the church, we are not made to sit in the hub. We were created to live fully empowered by the gospel in every space and every place. See, over the last two weeks, we've been on this journey to uncover our world and see through the lens of scripture what is the gospel. Week one, Pastor Brandon walked us through this idea that the gospel is a story. These four parts, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And this big idea of what's unfolding around us, everyone is searching for something. In reality, they're searching for someone, and that someone is Jesus, the hero of the story. Last week, week two, Pastor Micah unveiled for us the gospel as an action. He taught us that the gospel doesn't just save us, it keeps us. He reminded us that faith is trusting in God instead of believing lies. And repentance is living in line with what is true about God. And today, I want to help us look at and unpack this idea that the gospel is a mission. And we want to look at the fullest idea of this. Because see, the gospel is a mission. It's, it's bigger than, for some of us, this idea that mission is to, a call to move to a specific space. Maybe a city, maybe a country. The gospel's mission is bigger than this. The gospel's mission is bigger than just the workings in a local church body, such as here at 715 Whittier Avenue or NC Chapel Online, though that's part of it. But the gospel is a mission. 
of people living fully as reconciled image bearers of God in every space and every place that he has called them into. And so before we dive into God's word and unpack this idea, let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. God, we just ask that your word would just speak to us. Holy Spirit, that you would just reveal this truth to us. That Jesus, as we look at this in response to what you have done on the cross, that our hearts and our minds and the fullness of who we are would, would move forward for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. So today might feel a little different than the last two weeks as we really looked at this, this big idea of the gospel and really this inward working of what God has done to redeem us and restore us to himself, to his ways. And we're going to turn that a little bit and look outward at this idea of mission and what happens in our, in our lives in response to the gospel. And so we're going to open first to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And we've read this a few times, I think, over the past couple of weeks. But the first thing, even here, another reminder, this echo of we've been going through this whole series, it's this. The gospel starts and ends with Jesus. Let's look here in Ephesians 2. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we, you and I, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, Paul is laying out again this echo of what we've been hashing out these last weeks is by Jesus and Jesus alone, right? The gospel, this good news that he and he alone saves us. He and he alone works in us. Nothing of our own doing. There's no boasting. But see, Paul, as he, as he turns the corner at the end of this, he shows us that it's bigger than just God saving us from something or God keeping us from the grip and power of sin. We rejoice because these things are true. And we rejoice that his blood does cover us. But look again here at verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
This word workmanship or poema in the Greek, it literally means a thing made, a work. The other time it's used in the New Testament is in Romans 1.20, where it references what has been made in God's literal creation of the world. This is a tangible idea of something created with a purpose. In Genesis, we see this. God is the God who creates with order and purpose. And so we see here that in the working of the gospel in us is ordered and purposeful. And that purpose is not just to save us from the power of hell and death and sin in our lives, but to save us for good works, which God in all his sovereignty prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The gospel is a mission, an everyday active working out in us and through us mission. And here, as Paul is writing, see, he's writing this to people. The mission, as he's challenging them, wasn't about a physical church location. Paul is writing this letter to the saints who are in Ephesus. While the physical church plays a part, the mission is not about a physical church location. It's about a physically sent people. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 9. It says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I, Paul's writing here, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. As Paul starts here, we see right, this argument and division among them because they had this blurry vision. They were focusing on all these other things and not on Jesus. Not on what Jesus was calling them to, not on what Jesus had assigned specifically to each, right, in the church. And church, hear me, while devotion to God's word is essential, here in this Paul is showing them that they were missing it. Because they were making it about how far they had grown and gone instead of what they were doing with what God had entrusted and assigned to them. Growth as a follower of Jesus is a part of it, but it isn't measured by you and it's not measured by me. It's measured by God and what he is doing and what he is calling and how he is working. You see, Paul here again at the end of this passage 
as he always starts with, right? It's Jesus, and then it's this working in us, but then there's this outward thing that happens, and it's this physical action. The end of this passage, there's this word labor. In the Greek, it's kapon or kapos, and it means this, listen, trouble, toil, labor, laborious toil involving weariness and fatigue. And I read that and I was like, that's not fun. I don't want trouble. I would rather just sit, right? I'd rather just sit and like spend all my time like in retreat in God's word, just like soaking the sin. I'd rather just sit, right, with my brothers and sisters just like in, in worship because like I, I love that and like it's, it's life-giving and inspiring. I don't want trouble. I don't want laborious toil. I'm tired of weariness and fatigue. But see, this is that next step as we understand the gospel being fleshed out in our lives. This is what worship of God leads us to. That's the gospel mission. But see, as we continue in scripture, we see, right, as Paul writes, he doesn't leave us with this toil and labor and fatigue alone. The gospel starts and ends with Jesus, but the mission of the gospel moves by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's working in our lives is not just to keep us from sin, but is to be a witness to a watching world of the goodness and the graciousness and the greatness and the glorious nature of our Lord and King. Last week, Pastor Micah reminded us as he dove into God's truth in Titus 2 that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. But Paul in Titus 3 continues, and no surprise at the way he says, this is how God has chosen to make that good news known. This good news is displayed in the way in which we as believers live our outward lives to a watching world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3 says this, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. I'm going to pause there because it's important as we're reading to understand the context of this. Now, there's often times where Paul is writing the letter and it's speaking as he's writing to their behavior inwardly to believers in the church. And we see that a lot. And, and it's important for us to pause here because we need to recognize what God is calling us to. The Greek here for all is pasan or pas, and it means all, the whole, every kind of. And so just in case we're trying to throw any caveats, right, this is God's word, it's true. And so when he's calling us to live in this way, we don't get the cop out of saying, okay, as long as I do that to my brothers and sisters in Christ within these walls, I, I think that's doable for me. No, as he's speaking of this, speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, show perfect courtesy toward all people. He is speaking of this outward watching world, those who aren't brothers and sisters in Christ, that are still under the power and dominion right, of the, the evil one. Those who have yet to be moved to reconciliation. He continues here, it says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, 
led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Again, here the Greek, that word people, anthropos, it's a generic term for mankind, the human race, women and men and everyone in between. Paul here is challenging and encouraging us. The end goal of a Christian is not just to look more like Jesus when we're gathered, but to live empowered by the Holy Spirit as the church when we are scattered. The end goal of a Christian is not just to look more like Jesus when we're gathered, but to live empowered by the Holy Spirit as the church when we are scattered. Jesus didn't give the command, stay and make church members of your city and social status. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus speaking says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, Paul is writing here, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. We weren't made to sit in the hub. Our end goal is not Sunday morning is not to tide us over until we die or until the Lord comes again. Yes, our hope is in that beautiful day displayed for us in Revelation, but we're missing it. If we think the end goal of a Christian is to find a building we like, a preacher we can relate to, and a class of people that make us feel comfortable, that is not why we gather church. The church gathers for the glory of the Father to see His will be done in our everyday spaces and places. The church gathers for the glory of the Father to see His will be done in our everyday spaces and places. To remind us that it all starts and ends with Jesus. But this great joy shouldn't make us want to fill up classrooms at 715 Whittier Avenue 
but run out these doors to a broken world that so desperately needs a gospel witness. And maybe someday the broken will sit here too, but it doesn't start with getting them in the doors of the building. You are the church. You are his temple. If then you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, the spirit of God lives in you. And the same spirit that is working in you to keep you from the power of sin is also working in you for the good works which God prepared beforehand that you and I, that we should walk in them. We need to wake up. If we're just showing up on Sunday or to our MCs or ABFs or Bible studies to try and just avoid the brokenness of this world, we're missing the fullness of what God, what His Spirit is doing right here, right now, today. Yes, Revelation so clearly paints a picture of this completed work of restoration. But God's call is not to just sit back and wait. He is working now to redeem and restore all things to Himself. So the question is, what do we do? What do we do as we look at this, as we reflect on the last weeks, as we look at his word and we say, God, what is it that you're asking me to do? How do I evaluate my life in light of your holy scripture? It starts and ends with Jesus. It moves by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we gather for the glory of the Father to see his will be done, which leads us back to Jesus. So what do we do? I think there's three things as we close that, that hinder us from being people that respond to God's call. There's three things that hinder us from saying, God, I want to walk in the works that you've prepared beforehand. I want to step into the broken places that you've entrusted to me. I want to invest in the people and the relationships that you've put in my life. And so for a moment, I want to take us back, right? Remember week one in the garden, as the fall happened, there's these three like voices that we see there as Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent. Three things happened. There was fear, there was guilt, and there was shame. And these same three things are these roadblocks that we believe these lies that have stopped us from moving forward into what God is calling us to do. They've kept us stuck And so I want us to ask and evaluate first, are we people that are ruled by fear? Maybe as you're watching, as you're listening, you say, there's this fear that's kept you stuck. Fear of your past. Fear that you're not good enough. Fear that says, you don't know his word enough. You don't have the words to say. Your sins were too great that there's this part of you that maybe, right, isn't believing in the fullness, right? Last week, as, as Pastor Micah reminded us, right, we need to repent because we haven't believing the fullness of who God is and what he has done for us. Maybe you haven't stepped out because you've, you've had this ruling of fear in your life. Maybe there's also fear because you say, I'm just, I'm too tired, there's this fear of the toil that it takes, right? As Paul says, like, this is hard work. 
Maybe you're in here and you're, you're watching or listening and, and you, you've been driven by guilt. Guilt of your past sin. Guilt that, that God can't use you where you are. Guilt because you say, how could, how could someone who, right, who's the manager at a Wendy's, how could God use me? I'm just a school teacher. I'm just a fourth grader. I'm just a fill in the blank. And with that, maybe you've been motivated or there's this fear of this shame. And maybe what's holding you back is that you say that you have to participate in these things, that you feel like there's this expectation of getting everything figured out before you take that step. That you have to have like a detailed plan of this mission, this space that God is calling you into. You have to have every conversation planned out. And you say, I mean, if I don't have an answer for everything, like I'm going to be like, I'm ashamed of this. So I have to figure it all out. But church, here's the deal. We are not ruled by fear. We are not driven by guilt and we are not motivated by shame. These things were nailed to the cross and covered by the blood of Jesus. We are led by the spirit. We are driven by the gospel and we are motivated by a heavenly father who deeply loves each and every one of us, no matter the scars or blemishes that we think hinder us from being used by him. The church exists here, pastors, the reason we are here, right? Paul speaks this says to equip the saints. That's you. If you are in Christ, that is you for the work of the ministry. And most of that ministry is not going to happen within the walls of 715 Whittier Avenue, within one hour of you watching a live stream on Sunday or on Wednesday. God calls us, right, his fellow workers. It says he has prepared works before him that we should walk in them. Church, we need to recognize that Jesus is the hero of our stories. We need to ground ourselves in the scriptures. We need to say, what am I not believing in my life? But see, at some point, God is calling us to do more than just sit He said, there's something that I have entrusted to you. You are a witness to this great work of what I am doing. If my family just sat at Disney World and stared up at the lights on the castle, I'd be missing the fullness of what it is to experience Disney World. And church, if you come and you just sit in the same row in the same study, patiently waiting for the day when Jesus returns, you're missing the fullness of the working of the gospel right here, right now as a follower of Jesus. This fullness of what he wants you to experience, what he has for you on this earth until he comes again. So today I want to invite you. I want you to ask God, What is it that he has prepared beforehand for you? It starts and ends with Jesus. And we gather here on Sundays or in homes or wherever we are to the glory of the Father to worship him, to see his will be done. And he has told us 
his will. As he sent Jesus to bear the price for our sins. And as Jesus told his disciples, he said, now go. You are entrusted with this good news. This good news of redemption. So the question for us is, are we going to be people who are sent out by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us? So this morning, I want to challenge you to run to the Father, to seek his will. That if you're stuck, right, seek the counsel of those here, of of, of pastors, of staff. Seek the Holy Spirit. Pray fast over this. Say, God, what do you want from me? Don't let fear, guilt, or shame rule you. Test that burden that God has placed on your heart. Seek wise counsel. As a church, we want to help you. We want to pray with you, discern with you. We want to ask what tools do you need to be faithful to what God is asking you to do. The North Canton Chapel can't carry your burden. We can't do the work for you. But we want to help equip you to be faithful to what God is calling you to do. To the people he has entrusted you with. God has something for you right here, right now. Every man, every woman, every child, it begins today. Will you run to him? Will you seek him? Will you step into something bigger than yourself? Bigger than your MC, bigger than your ABF, bigger than your Bible study, bigger than the North Kent Chapel, bigger than anything in the state of Ohio or this country, right? This working that God is doing. That the whole earth might know that he is Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, that we rejoice and because you You are Lord of all. And that you sent your son to die for us. When we were by nature children, people of wrath, when we were dead, that you made us alive, not by our own doing, but by yours. And God, that you would trust us now to be ambassadors for you to be witnesses of this great work that you are doing to redeem and restore all things. That you would entrust us in our everyday spaces and places. That you've called us to be lights and that you've given us your spirit. That you do not leave us alone, but that you are with us. You are for us. You strengthen us. God, may we be a people that do this not for our own selves, but for you and for your glory. We pray this all in your mighty name, the name that is above any other name, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, 
It goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at ncchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.